We touched on the issue last night of Sydney's controversial alcohol lockout laws and the fact that a report to Parliament is suggesting that they be eased. Now, I've been an advocate of these lockout laws since the very beginning, and probably the very first place to roll them out was Newcastle, um, north of Sydney. And from what I can tell, Newcastle's nightlife hasn't suffered at all, but we're led to believe that something like a 100-plus venues in Sydney have shut down because of this. Tony Brown is the Newcastle Community Advocate and Spokesperson for the New South Wales Alcohol Policy Alliance, and uh, he's had quite a bit to say about this report to Parliament, and he joins us now. Tony, good to have you on the program. Good afternoon. How are you, Steve? Um, Very, very well, mate. Um, Look, I'm in two minds about this. I mean, I see the the reason these lockout laws were brought in in Sydney, and and I imagine originally in Newcastle and and other parts of the country as well, was because of this alcohol-fuelled violence that we saw across the place and this culture that we seem to have in Australia that you can't go out and have a good time without getting an absolute skinful. But the argument against them and this report that's been presented to Parliament suggests that it's having a real impact on uh, Sydney's economy. Where, where's the balance here? Well, if you start off in Newcastle, Steve, and I was heavily involved in the introduction of the last drinks laws into Newcastle and also had a bit to do with those in, in Sydney and in Queensland is if you take Newcastle over the last 10 years or more since those conditions have been in place, what we've seen is a 72% reduction in weekend night assaults, but also a 110% increase in the number of smaller bars and licensed premises in Newcastle CBD. So there's a huge gap between what's actually occurred on the ground and what the the industry is suggesting as a result of those um, life-saving laws. But when you look at Sydney, it's a different circumstance. And I think that in Sydney, these life-saving conditions, which are similar to those in Newcastle, have really become a scapegoat for many other existing problems in the industry. We've seen right across the nation, you know, in Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria, that the demographics have changed, that no longer these late-trading large booze barns uh, so popular with the young people. We've seen the music situation change mm. and poor management. You know, the Newcastle um, entrepreneurs saw a large increase in the number of smaller, safer, more vibrant premises. So the real question, why hasn't this occurred in Sydney? And recently research done up in Queensland showed you the uh, those similar laws, you know, for example, in Brisbane and the Gold Coast have been pretty good as well. It's it's interesting. One of the things that's very close to my heart is the live music industry, and uh, it's been on the decline right across the country for for many many years now. And and these lockout laws are being blamed for killing off live music in Sydney. I, I would say that growing up in Sydney, live music's been dead for a long, long time. But Newcastle and particularly regional Queensland probably have the most vibrant live music industries um, or live music scenes in the country. So clearly, there's something not connecting here? Well, look, we, we should never underestimate the, the power and the influence of the alcohol industry. No, nationally wide that the AHA and the liquor industry were the largest political donors in Australia. And that, unfortunately, you know, the saying used to go that uh, we've got the best politicians money can buy. Now, I'm not suggesting at all that any outstanding New South Wales politicians would ever be unduly influenced by the liquor and gambling industry. But, you know, Adopting a sober approach at this that really, you know, suggests that the longer we trade, the more intoxicated patrons become and the greater harm, whether it be violence 
or doing stupid things like walking in front of buses, falling off buildings and so forth. And the evidence is really clear on that. And in Newcastle, you know, it's been suggested um, that the, the situation be reviewed shortly. Now, what they seem to forget this, uh, this parliamentary committee from Sydney is that in only August last year, the New South Wales Independent Liquor and Gaming Authority decided not to change any of the major conditions are part of the Newcastle condition. So there's a lot of politicking going on. And unfortunately, what we're concerned about, what the police and the brave ambulance and doctors are concerned about, of course, is that the industry calling the shots. One of the things that I think is fair to say that uh, the reason that these things kicked off in places like Newcastle and places like Armidale and regional parts of Queensland is because there was a problem with alcohol-fueled violence in, in smaller country towns. The argument in the capital cities is that by shutting down the CBDs, you're pushing the problem further out. Um, is that a fair comment? Because I guess in the regional areas, there's nowhere to push it out to. So if you if you shut it down in Newcastle, it's not like it's going to go out to the rest of the Hutter Valley, for instance, whereas Sydney, it might go out to the suburbs. Well, look, um, again, it's really important that we don't listen to the hysterical you know, exclamations by the industry and those vested interests. We turned to our independent scientific researchers. We've got a great mob of them in Newcastle and elsewhere. And the significantly researched Newcastle, which said there was no significant displacement, that the, the problem really didn't spread further afield. There's been some small, allegedly, increase in displacement in, in Sydney area. But that flower effect has been minute compared to the reductions, you know, in assaults and violence and so forth. So we've got to balance it up. And there's a very strong argument, particularly across regional New South Wales and regional Queensland, that these life-saving conditions... Now, what we're talking about, Steve, you know, is not prohibition. It's that after 3 a.m. you you restrict drinks, the premises can still remain open. Now, if you haven't had enough to drink by 3 a.m., then really the question is, what are you doing out at night on our public streets? Well, that's a good point, unless, of course, you're a shift worker. Well, look, that, that's that's one of the excuses of many raised by the industry. We also hear from the industry, and we'll hear this in Sydney undoubtedly, when we see an unfortunate increase in the violence and alcohol-related harms, when we reintroduce glasses after midnight, when we reintroduce shots and bombs, which are a one-way street to high levels of intoxication. What we'll see rolled out is the worn-out, tired industry excuses of it's the drugs or it's a lack of individual responsibility, or it's not enough police, or it's not enough public transport. The reality is, if you go to those places we've talked about, you'll see where there's lots of violence and lots of harm. What What's that caused by is the failed responsible service of alcohol. Mm. And what unfortunately we do is focus too much on the consumers and not enough on those who profit from the over-dangerous oversupply you know, of alcohol to drunk people at three and four o'clock in the morning. Okay, so if the industry does get its way and the lockout laws are relaxed in Sydney, what's the likelihood that that will then spill over into other regional areas that have had a successful, uh, not only trial, but run with these types of lockout laws and um, last drinks laws for quite some time? Well, we're really concerned about that, and what that uh, our gravest concern is what that's what they'll try and do in Newcastle's, despite our outstanding success in not only reducing violence but increasing business prosperity, increasing more jobs, and it'll be a real case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And what we're advocating is 
an application of these life-saving conditions right across New South Wales. And we know that regional New South Wales, there's some real concerns with the larger regional centres such as Coffs Harbour, such as Orange and so forth. When you look at the Bureau of Crime Statistics Research, there's still a high level of assaults occurring in those places. So let's have a one-size-fits-all approach which the industry promotes and say apply across the whole of New South Wales these proven life-saving laws. And we know from places like, you know, the research is really clear that in places like Amsterdam, which is promoted by the alcohol industry and the Keep Sydney violent mob, that in Amsterdam when they increase their late trading hours to you know, something like three to four or something around that area, there was about a 30% increase in the number of emergency ambulance attendances on incidents. So the research is crystal, crystal clear, but why has this uh, parliamentary committee you know, decided to cherry-pick the evidence and, and rely upon only that evidence that supports the industry's spurious claims? Mm. It's, uh, it's certainly a, a topic uh, worthy of more discussion. Tony, I really appreciate your time this evening. And, uh, look, we really appreciate your interest and your listeners' interest as well. That's fantastic. All the best. That's Tony Brown. He's a Newcastle community advocate and spokesperson for the Newcastle Alcohol Policy Alliance. What's happening in your area? What have you experienced? Give us a call. 13 27 is the number.